0: in the right direction for the rest of his life. You know oftentimes one decision can make an eternal difference. This was Daniel's big decision right here. He purposed in his heart that he wouldn't eat of the king's delicacies and God blessed that decision. Look at verse number nine. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. God added his blessing to Daniel's good decision and so God does that oftentimes for you and me when we make a decision that's right oftentimes the Lord opens the way and enables us to fulfill our commitment and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age then you would endanger my head before the king uh, so Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel Hanani and I Michelle please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water Daniel said listen I'm not going to eat at your table I know you I know you have the best food around anywhere but just give us some vegetables So we'll take broccoli we'll take carrots Whatever you you classify as a vegetable, we'll we'll take the vegetables, and then give us a test. You feed those other people the good stuff you have. We'll eat the vegetables. After 10 days, uh, I want to show you uh, what we look like and what they look like. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants." So he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. After the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Do you know if you eat delicacies for about 10 days, you'll feel bad, right? Potato chips, things like that. Uh, But if you eat vegetables, water, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. God equipped them for the calling that they had in their life. Now let me say this to you this morning. Whenever we make a decision like this, we're in, Lord, count me in. God will give us the things that we need to do his ministry. He really will. Now, Daniel needed to understand visions and dreams, and God says, okay, you got that. I'm going to give that to you. Verse 18. Now, at the end of days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all all none was found like Daniel, Hanani, Amishel, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better. Now this is interesting. Uh, They they said, listen, we don't wanna live by our convictions. We don't think this food that you're giving to people is good for us. And the reason why they thought that is because that food was probably dedicated to idols And whenever you ate the food, you were recognizing, you were affirming the idol. And they said, listen, we just really don't wanna do that. And God blessed their decision. God will bless our good decisions. And they became 10 times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who were in all the realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. And you can write at the end of the chapter 70 because that's how long Daniel's ministry was. It was long. And so, but it all began in verse number eight. You know, there's so many times in our life that we can't determine our circumstances. But we can determine our attitude toward those circumstances. We're going to embark this morning, and this is an introduction today, on the story of Daniel the prophet. And we, we want to see some of his attitudes and actions and in his life and how we can apply them to our life today. This was a most ominous time in the nation of Israel, 606 BC. That's a day that will go down in infamy because God was closing the book almost, I say almost, on the nation of Israel. Remember, God planted the nation of Israel in the land of Israel and said, listen, you're gonna be my people. You're gonna serve me and when you keep my commandments, I'm gonna bless you and when you break my commandments, uh, you have to pay the price, the penalty for that. And so they went the wrong direction rather than the right direction and now uh, their national identity is being snuffed out, 606 BC. Uh, It's a sad day in the history of Israel Now, as we go through these few lessons on Daniel, I want you to parallel Daniel and the time in which he lived with us and the time in which we live here in America, okay? There are many people in this auditorium today that are grieving the loss of our country because we remember how it used to be. Some people can't remember that. You're too young for that. But there are many older people that are grieving the loss of America, how it used to be, how it was, uh, it, was, it was thought a good thing to recognize the flag and say, "In God we trust, and things like that. And to be all out for America, patriotic, loving our country and loving our God. That was a popular thing. But now it's fallen into disfavor. And we're asking ourselves, what is happening to America? Uh, Mike Huckabee says he doesn't recognize his country any longer. Others have said the same thing. Well, I believe, and I think you believe, that we're living in the last days before the coming of Christ. God's closing, I think, a chapter on America, really. And whenever we think about those things, we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and here it is. And so I'd like to ask you this morning to read this with me and then we'll comment on it a little later, okay? But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now that's quite a list and uh, it's there for a purpose. It's there to show you and me that, hey, we're living in the last days. Our culture is disintegrating. Do you agree? It's disintegrating. And uh, we're standing by and we're saying, wow, how's this happening right in front of our eyes? Well, I know I read one translation and it says, in the last days, dangerous times will come, and that's the same thing as perilous. But the interesting thing to me is that last statement from such people turn away. And really what that means is this, is don't be like the people that are described here. God has his whole whole culture of people who are following Jesus. And, you know, they're going in one direction and the other culture is going in the other direction. And the other culture looks like this. They are unloving, they are unforgiving. And so what the Lord, I think what the Lord wants us to do is to invert, to create an antonym for those terms. For instance, if the world is unloving, the Christian should be what? Loving, right? If the world is unforgiving, what should the Christian be? Forgiving. So you go through this whole list, Uh, the world is without self-control, right? Do it if it feels good. There are no restraints, there are no borders, there are no paradigms. Uh, and the Christian can be controlled, self control And so we look at the world and we say, okay, this is the way the world is. And we say, okay, I don't wanna live that way. I won't be that way. That's a good thing. That really is a good thing. And that's what in effect Daniel was saying back in his day. You know, I know that the culture of Babylon is this way, but I have a conviction and my convictions are different. And so, in verse number one, we begin. God rules in the kingdom of men. Every time I read verse number two, I'm surprised that God would hand over Israel to be besieged by a foreign country, such as Babylon. God is behind this action. Uh, This is not too surprising to us, those of us who read the Bible, because in Proverbs 21.1, the scripture says this. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. That means that God directs kings and nations. And uh, God here was using Nebuchadnezzar to come up against Jerusalem. Daniel chapter two, verse 21. I, I like this especially, and this is in the New Living Translation. Let's read it together. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. The Lord controls the course of world events. What does that mean? That means that God is exalting and deposing nations based on their response to Him. Well, all of us know that if you don't learn from history, you'll repeat it. And so we're taking a trip today back into history to learn from the nation of Israel. What happened to them? God planted them in the world to be a light for him, uh, to show the world that God does love people and God values life. He's a person who is for life. But they let God down and they became uh, they became like the nations around them. But uh, God resisted their disobedience and you know how he resisted it? By sending them prophets. God's prophets. God speaks through prophets. Whenever we read the book of Daniel, that's a prophecy, and Daniel is a prophet. And Daniel epitomizes Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it says this, God at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past unto the fathers through the prophets. That was one of his main ways to speak to people back during that day. He would call a prophet. Now he also spoke through visions, he also spoke through dreams, but, uh, but he had these prophets, and you've read about them in the Old Testament. There's Daniel, there's Jeremiah, and there's Ezekiel. They were contemporaries. They're part of a group we call major prophets. And how do we define a major prophet? A major prophet is certainly a, just a prophet that has more prophecy. Their books in the Bible are bigger. There are minor prophets and major prophets. Well, what God was doing through these major prophets is throwing out a lifeline to the nation of Israel. God, now here's the thesis, God wants to bless the nation. God desires to bless the nation. He is not pleased that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he proved it by giving his son to die upon the cross for our sins. That's how much God wants people to be saved. Now, he not only wanted people to be saved in our culture today, but he wanted them to be saved also back in the Old Testament. And so what he would do is he would send these prophets out and they would prophesy. He would throw a lifeline, for instance, let's just use Jeremiah for an example. God called Jeremiah to the court in Jerusalem. And if you go home and read the book of Jeremiah, it will amaze you how bold he was. He gave them warnings, instructions. He preached to kings and the leaders in Jerusalem. He confronted their failures. I think we can say today he looked a little bit like Franklin Graham. I like to see him every now on television. I don't think he's afraid. He says it just like it is. Uh, Jeremiah was unpopular. Uh, and he lived to see the destruction that he prophesied about. But he, was, he had a ministry in Jerusalem and then there was Daniel. Now do you know how Bible scholars tell us that Daniel was about 15 years of, of age when he was taken down into Babylon, about 15, he was a teenager. And he ministered there, now listen to this, to the government, he was a minister in a government that was destroying his people back in Israel. Okay? God used him in the government. And then there was Ezekiel. Ezekiel also was extracted out of Israel, taken down into Babylon, just like Daniel, and he was a street preacher. He was the person that was out among the exiles, the poor people from Israel that had been taken out of the land. And so God was using his prophets all in different places. Jeremiah was preaching to the kings of Israel. Don't sin against God. God will judge you. I'm here to warn you. Daniel was deported down to Babylon, and he was incorporated into the government, and Ezekiel was out on the street preaching to the exiles. And so God was using his ministers to try to get his message out. Why did the nation of Israel fall so low? I'm gonna give you a few reasons, okay? On your notes there, you have a number of numbers. First of all, they failed to heed the repeated warnings of God. God warned them continually, listen, you stop worshiping false gods, you stop living in a way that's unpleasing to me and if you don't stop living that way, I'm gonna judge you. And you're gonna fall under the same destruction that other nations have fallen because of their sins. Isaiah 1, Isaiah said, who has believed our message? And the implication is that the prophets had a hard time with getting people to believe their message. Uh, Has God been warning America? How many people here in the church this morning have read, the, you've read the book, The Harbinger? Harbinger. Would you raise your hand if you read that book? A number of people have read it in the first service. Uh, it's written by a rabbi, and uh, his thesis is this, that God is warning America right now. And his big warning was 9-11 when the Twin Towers came down in New York City. Well, Jerry Falwell, remember, got in trouble when he suggested that this was in some way a message from God you don't have to go and buy the book but you can look it up on the computer and you can read the reviews of the book there Uh, his thesis is that God is warning America today that you are on the same path that other nations that have been destroyed are on I don't think that's that shouldn't be brain surgeries should it for us who read the Bible and so they failed to heed the repeated warnings of God. God would send out His prophets, and uh, the people would go like this, no thanks, we're not interested. Another reason why God brought this calamity upon Israel is because the Sabbath of the land was violated. What is that? God says, listen, that was an agricultural society and they went out and they worked the land, and God says, listen, you work at six years, Don't get out and work it on the seventh year. Let the land rest. It'll still produce a little bit, and the poor people can have that because God always made provision for the poor people. The poor people can go out and get what is naturally produced from the land. But, you know, it was too tempting for the farmers to go with that plan. And so what they would do is they would work the land for six years and then go, okay, let's forget this idea of letting the land rest on the seventh And so what happened is this in heaven the lord says okay you owe me one and so they would do it again the next seven years and god would say okay one more and the captivity that the nation of israel was going into was a captivity of 70 years and in second chronicles chapter 36 verse 21 The message of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah was fulfilled. The land finally enjoyed its Sabbath rest, laying desolate for 70 years. God collected on the Sabbath rest for the land. Wow, isn't that interesting? Another thing that that I think precipitated uh, the fall of Israel was they failed to learn from history. You know, I think, and I know you know too, that America is walking down the very same path that every other nation has, has uh, destroyed, has been destroyed from within. The fourth thing is they worship false gods. You probably heard about the King Hezekiah. He was a godly king, uh, but uh, when he died, his 12-year-old son Manasseh was placed on the throne. That's too young to run a country, you know that? 12 years old. And the Bible says he built again the high places, he made a grove, he set up graven images, and uh, actually he took his son and offered his son to a false god. Wow. So the nation of Israel just went, plummeted right down, and that's where we find them. And all of this information I'm giving you this morning is just the introduction to, Gen- or to the first chapter, that's where we find ourselves. 606, Nebuchadnezzar invades Jerusalem. He takes some of the articles down to Babylon and he takes our young teenage boy, Daniel, with him. He uh, got the brightest and he says, listen, I'm gonna teach you a different language and I'm going to re-enculturize you I'm going to brainwash you and you're going to forget your roots. And I think that's what's happening in our country today. There are wars all over our country, in schools. People are rewriting the history of America, they really are. Uh, And uh, they're changing, uh, you know, the convictions that America was standing, uh, standing on back then, they're changing it. Everything is politically, in my terms, discorrect. And, uh, and so this is happening in our country, too, and that's what they wanted to do to Daniel. Uh, we're going to make him forget his roots. And so one of the first things they did is they changed his name. In his name, Daniel means God is my judge. That's a good thing to remember, isn't it? God is our judge. And they said, we're going to give you a new name, and it's Belshazzar, and it means you are now a servant of Bel, and that's a false god. But Daniel resisted. He resisted this indoctrination, this brainwashing. And let's look once again to verse number eight. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. How did he resist? In his heart. Let's say that together in his heart, one more time, in his heart, that's how he resisted. You know the world can change your name, dislocate you to another part of the planet, enculturize you to the ways of the world, but they can't have your heart, they can't take your heart and the only thing that he had to stand up against this wave of wickedness was his own heart and he determined to be pure and to live by his convictions. Now let me give you a New Testament verse that fits with this, 2 Timothy 2.21, it goes like this. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. You'll be clean and ready for the master to use you for every good work if you keep yourself pure. You know, that is a conscious decision that all of us have to make all the time, right? We have to, we just don't wake up in the morning and that happens automatically. We have to resist, right? We have to make a conscious decision that we're gonna live according to our convictions. And so that's what Daniel did, but he did it in his heart. You know, people can set up all sorts of roadblocks to protect your purity, but they won't work if your heart's not in it, because you can find ways around, right? You tell your kids, hey, be in at 10 o'clock. I know where you are, my eyes are everywhere. And your teenage kid says, they just think they know where I am. They don't know where I am. I know how to work the angles. And so it is with an adult too. It works the same way. You can set all sorts of barriers up to guard people's purity, but in the final analysis, the only thing that will actually work is their own decision, that's all. And that's the decision that he made. Uh, He made a decision that he would not compromise his beliefs as a believer in God, And not only did he make that decision, but he pursued the commitment. Now, this is interesting here. You know, a lot of times we make a decision and and that's all it is. It's just like, okay, that didn't work. You know, I'll try that, oh no, that didn't work. Uh, But when he made the decision, he saw it through because remember there was a red flag that was thrown up right away and the director there of where he was said, listen, I don't think this is gonna work. I don't see how this is gonna make you any better than anyone else, and if I fail, it's my head. But Daniel persisted, and look at verse number nine. But God brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Um, He said, listen, in verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Just give me a chance. You know, there's something so reasonable about Daniel's approach he could have gone on a hunger strike. He could have started throwing tables, banquet tables over, but instead he makes a polite request. Listen, just give me 10 days. You put vegetables on our, we'll eat the vegetables. You guys can eat it, whatever you want. Uh, just give me 10 days and I'll show you that my plan is better than yours. And after 10 days, he did. Uh, God blessed him in a tremendous way. Daniel was God's mouthpiece. Uh, He was there where God placed him. Uh, And uh, he was used by God in a dramatic way. You know, he wanted to show the superiority of God's way. Now, this is the conclusion of it all today, okay? Are you ready? He wanted to show them the superiority of what God could do over false gods. Now, if we believe that we serve a true God, Jehovah God, who parted the Red Sea and created the world and made us, then he can do anything. And so therefore, when he said, put me to a test, he was actually putting God to the test. This is what people want to see. They want they evaluate what we say by how we live. And so you can say all you want to say, but if you live a different way, it won't work but uh, if you walk if walk the walk people listen to your talk but if you're only a talker it won't work people look at our life and uh, and so Daniel says listen let me prove it to you let me prove that God's way is superior so where does that leave us today the world wants a God today that can make their life superior And we have a God like that. Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What that means, first of all, is he came to give us eternal life, but then he gave, came to give us purpose for life. That's abundant life. And so it's, it's in Christ that we have abundant life. And if we have abundant life, the world will see that our life is change from unloving to loving, from unforgiving to forgiving, from not being in love with the pleasures of the world, but being in love with God Almighty. And they'll see, listen, hey, there is a difference. That person is really changed. That lifestyle is pretty good. And that's what Daniel was showing down there, uh, behind enemy lines in Babylon. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed uh, this morning, uh, we are behind enemy lines. Uh, Life is tough out there uh, but God is greater and if we make a decision like, um, like Daniel made, he will bless us and he will use us and give us purpose for living. Finding strength in tough times, Daniel found it and so can you. And it's through a relationship with Jesus. It's through your heart. And I've told people for years that the thing that Jesus really wants from you is your heart. When He came into the world, His first destination was Bethlehem and His second destination was the cross for you and his third destination is your heart. Because Ephesians 3.17 says this, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That's what it is, it's an act of faith. Lord, I believe in you, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I give you my heart. That's what Daniel did. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. It challenges us because Here's this 15-year-old kid that took a stand and you used him to become an old man uh, in a mighty, mighty way for your work. And I pray that uh, this will challenge us all, Lord, to make this decision and to be used by you and live a life that has purpose and has your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. and. And as we sing uh, this song of invitation, if you'd like to come and pray here at the altar about anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, you just feel free to do that now.
1: Shervon and I live in South Park. Before I made a personal decision to follow Jesus, I thought that I had my life together and I knew what I was doing. But in reality, I knew, I knew that I was missing something and I didn't want to admit it and I, didn't want, and I didn't know what it was. It wasn't until my first mission trip to Ecuador, I realized that God was what I was missing. Once I realized this, I thought back to one of Dane's lessons at Straight Street about being a fake Christian and I realized that that's what I was doing. I didn't want to just live through my life anymore being a fake Christian and that I needed to start living my life fully for God. I grew up in the church with my family and went to Jams and Straight Street, but I never really took anything that seriously until my trip to Ecuador. After we got back, I prayed to God about making this decision, and I wasn't just on a spiritual high after I came back. After praying to God, I knew that this was what I've been missing in my life, and I I wanted to live my life for God and accept his forgiveness for my sins. God has changed me by letting me see the importance of trusting Him and reading the Bible to to get closer to Him and He He also has changed my outlooks and views on many things. I'm learned I'm learning not to be ashamed of my religion and to pray and trust in His word and that He will lead me in life to where He wants me to be.
0: I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of Christ's death and raised in the likeness of
1: Christ's resurrection.
2: um it starts this wednesday and it's for three-year-olds up to fifth grade and we'll be meeting downstairs in the varsity room uh, and there's a new time it's actually 6 30 now to eight o'clock uh, so hopefully that'll be better for many people uh, and we're actually we're inviting the parents to stay for an informal meeting um, after the kids are dismissed at 6 45 in the varsity room and uh, registration forms are available in the back in uh, the foyer And my wife's back there to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. The announcements keep coming. (laughs) Um, I just want to encourage all the men and ladies, encourage your husbands. um, This weekend coming up is the uh, men's retreat. We have some great curriculum. Uh, We're doing uh, the Tony Evans uh, Kingdom Man series. It really talks about how to be a kingdom man, how to be the father um, the husband, um, the uh, member in the church, the, a leader in the community, and what it really means to be a kingdom man. And I'm really excited about the curriculum. And in addition to um, the kingdom man series that we're going to be looking at, uh, we have a great time um, just fishing, golfing, hiking, whatever, whatever you like to do from a recreation standpoint with some godly men. Um, they'll be down there and we'll have a great time. I, I really encourage you go. Um, the men who go there and come back, I've never heard. I've never in ten years heard someone say, "Well, I really wish I didn't go to that." Uh, it, it's really life changing, and it'll make it'll make a huge difference in in um, your family and the life of uh, uh, the church too. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck.
0: Boy, with an announcement like that, all the wives will be encouraging their guys, right? Let me encourage you ladies, get, make sure you, that you make this happen. Last, uh, last year, I went uh, down to the men's retreat on a Friday, and then I usually come back for Saturday night service. And uh, I saw all these guys getting together when they came to the retreat. They were so happy. It was like all the stress of the world was like lifted off of them, and they're outside in this beautiful environment. So uh, give your guy a treat. Uh, you can sign him up out in the foyer and uh, you'll be out there to answer any questions, Chuck. And, uh, but make sure it happens, okay? I hope you were encouraged by the service today. Let's stand together, turn around and shake hands with as many people as you can find today. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>